Aloha. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Now, March is Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month, and there is a new demographic that is increasing in the numbers of people that are getting diagnosed with colon cancer. Just before we started the show, I was speaking to my guest, Dr. Shane Morita. He is the Medical Director of Surgical Oncology at Queens Medical Center, and he's also a certified member of the MD Anderson Physician Network. And you were telling me about the rates of colon cancer in people in my age cohort and scaring me, Dr. Shane. Thank you. It used to be back in 1990, very few people got, were diagnosed with colon cancer if it were below the age of 50, maybe about 6% of folks or so. What is it now? Correct. As of 2013, it's it's 11%. So, so it's nearly doubled. You know, Between the ages of 20 and 49? Correct. It's almost doubled the number of people in that younger age group that I'm still going to claim because I'm not yet over 49. And the rates of colon cancer are, are doubling. In that age group, correct. What about in other age groups? Are we doing a better job with our screening? In general, that's that's you know that's improved. But like I said, you know the the concerning part is that you know we have guidelines. Um, as you know, you're you know your primary care provider, and you know usually the target is 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 fifty years of age. And what isn't always emphasized is that although ninety percent of patients are above fifty years years of age when they're diagnosed. That makes, if you look at it, the flip side, 10% are under 50. 10% of patients who are diagnosed with colorectal cancer are less than 50 years of age. Less than the current recommended screening age group. So these would be people who would be somehow diagnosed based on symptoms or some other catastrophic sequelae that brings to light the fact that they've been diagnosed with cancer. Right. I mean, sometimes people come in because they have blood in their stool, as you know. Sometimes um, it's changing caliber of their stool. Sometimes they come in with belly pain and, you know, a CT scan shows, you know, disease, advanced disease in the liver. So, I mean, there's various ways of presentation, but it's just, it's important to underscore this, this de- demographic. It is changing. Yeah, I'm in it. And yeah, I've, I've been underscored. Because this is really something that we don't talk a lot about. I mean, we want to talk about colon cancer screening. We want to talk about what the parameters are, what you should do, why it's very important. But we also have to consider that just because you're not yet 50, it does not mean that whatever's going on with belly pain or changes in bowel habits or noticing blood where it shouldn't be, that doesn't mean that it's okay. And it doesn't mean that we can ignore it. And I think that's a really important message that we don't hear very often. Right. And and also, it's really important to your family history, you know, because as you know, that increases your risk of having colorectal cancer if you have a positive family history. It does. Absolutely. My mother died of colon cancer within the past year. And it was metastatic upon pre... Well, actually, it was localized on presentation, but stage three. So it already Mm -hmm. sort of spread a bit. But, you know, that means that I need to take a look and be careful about my own personal risk for colon cancer. And I don't want to get it. That's not something I want. But it means that we have to take a look at this increased rate in those who are young and really make sure that not only for the 50 and over, yes, we still want to screen them. 90% of people who get cancer are in that age cohort of 50 and over. But 
Let's not forget one in 10. I mean, if I was in Vegas, I would play a game I had a one in 10 chance of winning. Granted, I would probably lose, but okay, I would still try. Uh, But certainly those are odds that we really have to take a look at. Now, we're going to talk today with a with a friend of ours, Mr. Mark. He is a chef on Kauai, and he's been diagnosed with colon cancer, and he's gone through the process of treating it and is doing very well. Mark, are you on the line with us? Uh, yes, I am. Tell me what happened and how you found out that you had colon cancer. Actually, I, I had no symptoms and, and, you know, no pain or no, you know, no... um different bowel movements or habits, uh, change, change in that. But then all of a sudden, I had blood in my stool one day. So I uh, called my doctor and um, my primary doctor. And, you know, even for my primary doctor, he said, you know, it's probably nothing, um, you know, but he's going to get checked. You know, he, he didn't think it was cancer. He said it might be hemorrhoids, some of that. But I said, I don't have any pain or anything. So um, that day, he got me in to see a gastroenterologist. And two days later, I got a colonoscopy and, you know, for me, I, I didn't even make 50 yet. You know, I was still 49 years old. So I never even planned on having a colonoscopy. And when um, when I got out of the um, the procedure, the doctor told me, so you got a big tumor in your colon and it's cancerous. So, you know, we need to do something about it. Um, so for me, it was a shock and a surprise. You know, wasn't thinking that I would get it at this age yet. Well, you know, you're absolutely right. That's got to be a shocking thing. You wake up from a colonoscopy that you're doing, and you're not even yet at that traditional colon screening age, and boom, there you go. Now, were there people in your family with this? I found out that I had a cousin that um, had it, and uh, even though he removed it, and he's uh, doing fine right now. And But this was probably about 15 years ago, and, and I found out that he was only about 46 years old, too, at that time when he had it. So, so another family thing, member. You know, he did a bloody stool and he went in and they brought him into surgery right, right there and then at that time. Wow. So what happened after you found out? So you saw the gastroenterologist, you did your colonoscopy pretty darn quick. I got to give I got to give your doctors uh, credit on Kauai because they really got things done very expeditiously. So you had that uh, that notation, the gastroenterologist says, we've got to do something about it. So what did you have to do? Well, I, I went and... Uh, you know, waited for a appointment set up. I called a friend on Oahu, and um, I wanted to, you know, actually come up to Oahu to do some uh, more testing and, and check it out. And um, and luckily, I got you know set up with Dr. Marita um, that did a wonderful job. You know, and he got me in right away and uh, did a surgery right away for me too. So, so you had surgery great. done, and when you had that done, were you in an early stage or a later stage when you had all the surgery completed? Um, well, for me, I'm, I, I, I lucked out. It was a stage one. It came out, but, um, you know, we didn't want to be open up and actually did the surgery and tested the lymph nodes in there. Um, you know, and we, you know, we didn't really know how much of my uh, colon had to get cut out, but, um, you know, luckily, you know, Dr. Marino was able to take out, you know, enough of my colon and still, you know, attach it and, and for me to be a uh, regular normal yet, you know, and- to be able to. Did you have to do any treatments after surgery? No, not not no no treatment so far. So I'm hoping that it you know it'll stay that way and we'll be fine. Now, if you have friends these days that say, "Oh no, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do any colon testing. That colonoscopy, that's just humbug." What do you tell them? You know, it's 
it's funny because everybody's so afraid of doing a colonoscopy, but it's, there's nothing to it. You know, you don't feel anything. You're basically asleep, and when you wake up, you don't. You know, there's there's no pain. There's nothing. You just had a nice nice sleep and a nice rest over there. But you know, finding out about all this, I, I had other friends that I, I I didn't know about. I found out after I had my surgery that oh yeah, they had colon cancer too, and at a young age. So I'm like, wow, this is no, this is serious, and I didn't. Um, you know, it's not it's not something that you go and tell everybody that you had, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's but, probably um, not the conversation at the barbecue. I'm with you. Yeah, exactly. So you know, when when a friend asked me, I tell me, you know, it's important to go and get it. And the 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 one good thing that you know the, the bright star that came out for this, which I'm um, happy that I because of this, I, I never knew that they had genetic testing for this. So Dr. Marita got me set up, and I'm going to be doing some genetic testing. And um, then that'll help me and help my kids, you know, in the future. So that's a good thing. Absolutely. I'll tell you, the fact that you knew there was something wrong and took the initiative to call your doctor and went through all the procedures really is part of the reason why you're going to do so well. And hopefully if you do have some genetic component, your family will learn about that and be able to take care and screen themselves as well. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. I'm here with Dr. Shane Morita. We just heard from a friend, Mark, a chef on Kauai, who has been through colon cancer, and he's in this younger age group. And when we come back, Dr. Marita and I are going to talk a little more about this situation and why anybody who hasn't done colon screening should not fear it and should really get on board with making sure they check out their colon. You don't want to be the person who says, if only I had done it sooner, it could have been cured. It might have been caught early. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Chaminade University, Inter-Island Solar Supply, and Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here with Dr. Shane Morita. He is the Medical Director of Surgical Oncology at Queens Medical Center and a certified member of the MD Anderson Physician Network. And we were just talking with Mark from Kauai about his experience being a 49-year-old man who was diagnosed with colon cancer after having some symptoms that some people might just blow off and not really get concerned about. Now, Dr. Morita, you are his surgeon. When you saw him first, you you heard about the colonoscopy, you heard about the results. What were some of the plans that you had as soon as you heard that he had cancer and this was somebody here to see you for treatment? So um, as you know, one of the things that you want to do is determine is it advanced disease or is it early, you know, early stage disease. And one of the things you want to do is you do some scans to make sure there's no evidence, for example, of liver uh, liver metastases. So um, he was deemed, you know, fine, clear. And so during surgery, in addition to removing the colon, you also have to take the lymph nodes. So in his case, we took out 35 lymph nodes and they're all were negative. And so, you know, he, as he said earlier, he's stage one. And, and really the differences are astronomical. I mean, if you have stage one col- colon cancer, you're your survival is over five. Year survival is over ninety percent. Um, if it's if it goes to the lymph nodes, it's stage three, and that drops down to about seventy. And if it's stage four, if there's advanced disease, you know that's around fifteen percent. 
of course, the with so many advances, I think those numbers will you know are changing. But I mean, just sort of historical data. So, I mean, the bottom line is um, he 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 was very insightful, um, as you had you know emphasized. He, he went in and he he didn't ignore his symptoms because it could have been worse. Because had he ignored it, and and the, there's potential development of progressive disease. So. Now, in some cases, you can have polyps, precancerous polyps that are found on colonoscopy, and removing those could also prevent cancer from developing. Correct. So you could have either a polyp that is identified during a colonoscopy, which hopefully people are all going to jump on board and make sure they get their colon screened appropriately. So you can have this precancerous polyp that's removed. You could even find out that you have an early stage cancer. And if you get it taken care of sooner rather than later, this really could dramatically affect your chances of survival. That's right. I mean, that's, that's why prevention is important, um, but you know, also early detection, you know, just determine not ignoring when, you know, something's out of the ordinary. So, And Mark was totally appropriately on board with that. Hey, I see blood. This isn't normal. I need to call my doctor. And his doctors did a great job, got him in. It sounds like very quickly to see a gastroenterologist. It wouldn't be something you'd want to wait about. Correct. And I think um, the key is to just to be proactive. And he did that. And, you know, he saw, um, you know, his providers and, you know, things were expedited and he's done very well. So he's back on doing his, you know, normal activities. What are the risk factors for getting colon cancer? He's in that group that doubled in the incidence, the ages between 20 and 49. We know that there's there's got to be a reason why that's increasing. But in general, for anyone diagnosed with colon cancer, are there certain risk factors that would make someone who might be on the edge, do I want to go ahead and do my colon screening? Do I not? I need some reason to compel me. What would be some of the reasons why, other than obviously good screening and prevention, that they would be at an increased risk. We know Mark had a cousin, so family history plays a role. What Absolutely. else does? Family history, um, obesity, definitely increases your risk of colorectal cancer. Um, you know, even diet, you know, the, the, as you know, red meats, that has been linked to increased risk of colorectal cancer, even alcohol consumption in excess. So there's some factors, I think, that are truly modifiable. So lifestyle things you can modify and then do your screening when you need to. Now, Mark mentioned that there was potentially a genetic issue going on because he has this cousin who was diagnosed and there may be some other genetic component. What do we know about genetic testing and colon cancer? You know, I think definitely if you have a family history, you know, that should be explored. And when we talk about genes, it's not only hereditary genes, right? We talk about um, you know, having certain conditions called Lynch syndrome, as you know, hereditary non-polyposis uh, colon cancer, um, FAP, familial adenomous polyposis. But um, there's also different syndromes that are linked with uh, colorectal cancer. But just genes in itself do not only mean hereditary. I mean, uh, so I think um, it's important that, like I said, if you do have a family history to go, especially, I mean, our, that what really raises... Um, the attention is is when someone is uh, you know in that demographic getting getting cancer. 
So it heightens the questions because they're young. Why do they get this? So there could be a family history, but also there could be genetic mutations. So when we talk about it being non-hereditary with the genetics, do we mean that there are certain cancer syndromes where someone might have breast cancer and colon cancer and another type of cancer that they might all have some sort of similar genetic profile? Well, it's still... it's. Right. I mean, it could, there's just so many, you know, cancer now, we know it's it's just an amalgam of just different genes. There's so many mutations. There's so many, um, what we call, we, we talked about before, driver mutations, passenger mutations. So uh, I think it's just so complicated. But the key, what I always tell people is if you notice a problem, especially with young patients or a, a family issue, to go in and seek, you know, advice. Now, let's talk about the forms of colon cancer screening because, you know, March is colorectal uh, cancer awareness month. So we want to make sure that people are aware of what the options are out there. What would you consider to be the standard options for your average risk person who happens to be 50? So if you have symptoms, the magical age of 50 is not the determining factor. If you're over 50, symptoms are more important than just having an age-related issue. So we're talking purely on preventative and screening, not diagnostic. What are some of the options for screening, and what what do we see? Do are we are we achieving enough screening in the state? I think we're doing a pretty good job. You know, there's always a room for improvement. But you know, as you know, the gold standard is getting a colonoscopy. You know, we 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 look at different. You know, there's fecal. Uh, fecal tests and whatnot. There's some DNA um, testing that can be done, but really the gold standard is getting a colonoscopy. And, and as he shared with an experience, I mean, I haven't uh, had to get one yet, but, uh, you know, he, you know, most patients do extremely well and, and the experience is, is tolerable. Yeah, I think the biggest fear is the prep, you know, because you're asleep for the colonoscopy. I mean, you're not, you're not awake when it happens. You often wake up and go, is it over? Really? Wow, that was fast. But it's really that prep that people fear. But the prep actually is really just meant to clear out the colon because if there's a bunch of stuff in there, you can't see anything. Correct. So you got to clear it out so that you can have a good visualization of the colon to make sure that there isn't anything there that needs to be biopsied or have a closer look taken of that area. So the gold standard, the do the best test would be colonoscopy. The other options for people who, for whatever reason, choose not to do colonoscopy, whether it be their own personal reason or maybe they have a medical condition that makes that somewhat difficult to do. We mentioned the the genetic testing. So there is a fecal DNA test. In fact, I've seen, ironically, advertisements for that on television. Sure, there's it's yeah, just Cologuard, right? It's it's Cologuard. They say you want to guard your colon, and they have this picture and. Problem with that, there's a lot of false positives. So you, you know, it's it's important to again, there's all different options out there just to explore it and read the fine lines. And so the other option would be that fecal immunoassay test, sort of the fit test. That's a test that is often recommended. So the idea is that if you if you are at a certain point of your life, if you're 50 and over, and this is purely for screening, there are so many different options. I look at it like you don't have an excuse. If you're afraid to go to a colonoscopy, you have these other tests to do. If you are not afraid of colonoscopy, it is always available and out there. And so there's really no excuse. I, I can't think of one. You know, uh, I, you know, sometimes we're in situations where we're, we're diagnosing cancers at an advanced stage. And like I said, the best way to get diagnosed if you're going to is with a colonoscopy. It's not with a CT scan. 
showing, you know, terrible disease in, in different parts uh, of the body, such as the liver and with a, with a biopsy. Granted, it is still treatable, although, as I had mentioned earlier, the statistics are a little bit more daunting. Well, and you mentioned the liver. That's a place where colon cancer often goes. Correct. And when it spreads to the liver, that kind of changes your longevity. We mentioned about 15% of people are still alive at five years with that type of metastatic colon cancer. But it also means that it's spread there. And so that's where we see it. It could have spread to other places and been microscopic spread that we can't see on certain imaging studies. All right, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here with Dr. Shane Morita. He is a frequent guest here on The Body Show. And when we come back, we're going to talk some more about some of the new things that we're doing to try and promote colon cancer awareness and what some of the latest treatments are out there for those who get diagnosed with this. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to contributors Bush Consulting, Sacred Hearts Academy, and Urgent Care Hawaii. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I'm here with Dr. Shane Morita. He is the Medical Director of Surgical Oncology at Queens Medical Center and a certified member of the MD Anderson Physician Network. And today we're talking about Colon Cancer Awareness Month. It's March. It is time to think about your colon. You can't really manage well without a colon. It's better to have one and have it function well. And if it starts to cause some troubles, don't ignore those symptoms. Do get it evaluated. Now, before the break, we were talking about different options for colon cancer screening, and screening means no symptoms. You're just checking it out because it's an age-appropriate thing to do or because you are. it's recommended that you do this at a certain interval. Let's talk about diagnostic testing. So when we think about symptoms, what would be some of the common symptoms that you might associate with someone who has a concern for colon cancer? Yeah. Um. As as a patient had shared earlier, I mean, blood in the stools. Uh, other things could be uh, change in caliber, um, you know, abnormal abdominal discomfort. Those are things I think would point one to, to think that that may be something going on. So when they get diagnosed, whether it be in colonoscopy or through a CAT scan, the next step would be surgery. Surgery, uh, typically, uh, if, if, again, if it does not advance disease. If it hasn't re- if there's advanced right. disease, then you know you may not need surgery. You probably start with some type of systemic therapy, chemotherapy, targeted therapy. Now we're using immunotherapy as well. So, um, you know, sometimes we operate on patients with colorectal cancer even if they have advanced disease because it can be threatening to them, right? Perforation, uh, blocking obstru- the whole colon, obstruction. Correct. So. So surgery is probably going to be offered if you have early stage disease and could be if you have disease that could cause physical symptoms of concern. But if you have advanced disease, there's other treatment options available. So had Mark been diagnosed with a more advanced disease, what would have been the treatment for him then? You said chemotherapy can be done. We do radiation in certain situations. You mentioned that you had taken out a large number of lymph nodes and they were all negative. Had they been positive, that would have led to him having a different course of treatment. Correct. So had it been positive, he would have stage three disease and and he would need chemotherapy. And that would be the type of chemotherapy that is often used. Is it 
causing some of the symptoms that people think about with the nausea and the hair loss and all those traditional... Yeah, you know, nausea, uh, vomiting, uh, diarrhea, but also, um, as you know, neuropathy, you know, and, and that's a big one that's not always uh, emphasized. So That just, nerve problem with correct. not being able to feel your fingertips and correct. stuff. And boy, if that isn't a reason to go do a colonoscopy, I, I don't know what is. That's a pretty darn good motivator to me. Okay, so, and then radiation might be necessary. You mentioned immunotherapy. That's sort of a word that 20 years ago you wouldn't mm. have heard. Yeah, you know, what, what's interesting about colorectal cancer is about 15% uh, display what's called microsatellite instability. And we know that microsatellite instability, although uh, traditionally it's been associated with more of a hereditary component with Lynn syndrome, it's actually been shown to be a biomarker for response to immunotherapy. So just just recently the FDA approved immunotherapy to be used for MSI-positive uh, cancers and it's not not sort of limited to any site, so it could be an MSI in stomach cancer, or it could be a different type of cancer. So, I think though um, that definitely has. I mean, there's just more options available, much more than five years ago. Where do you think we're going with cancer treatment? I mean, hopefully preventing more cancers, but where do you think we're headed with colon or colorectal cancer treatment in the next five years? You know, I think uh, I think it's just it'll become continually more progressive. I think we're going to need, we're going to get more information on the host. I think, you know, we, we always talk about studying the tumor and understanding the genomic profile and all these pathways, but I think just knowing the host a little bit better, so the individual, the pharmacokinetics, meaning how it's, how it's metabolized per se in that individual. So I think there's just much more will be on the host. And, and you know, we've already, you've heard the term personalized medicine. I think that will continue to, um, to, to be utilized and emphasized. Well, and I think of some of the therapies that we've now developed for things like lymphoma, lymphoma and certain types of leukemia, the CAR-T therapy, you know, we're really looking at, not yet for solid tumors, but looking at having someone's immune system start to try and attack the tumor itself. It's a little bit easier if it's not a large solid lump of abnormal cells like it would be in a solid tumor like colorectal cancer. But there are a lot of new innovations that are coming down the pike in an attempt to really find alternative ways to treat cancer when it becomes advanced. But our goal really is to not have people get diagnosed when it's advanced, to if they have symptoms and they're under the age of screening to make sure they get that evaluated. But also if they have symptoms at any age, that blood in your stool is not normal. Don't just ignore it because it could be a sign of something that's nefarious going on in your colon, and you should get that checked out immediately. Yes, I agree 100%. Now, there's an exciting event that's coming up that you mentioned to me earlier, American Cancer Society, a great group that is really trying to promote cancer awareness, cancer prevention, cancer treatment, and has really tried to help those who are affected by cancer. And honestly, I think all of us, for someone in our lives, knows somebody who either has it as a family member or have friends who are affected by this. There's there's great ways that we can all help with this cancer fight. Right, right. As you mentioned, American Cancer Society does a fantastic job in 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 really um, just patient education, um, promotion, um, promoting the uh, prevention, early detection, and especially March being Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month. But they're having a gala on May fifth at at the Modern, um, and that's a Saturday evening. And so, they're really there to help um, raise funds to support. Um, folks that are impacted by cancer. And you're going to be there? I will be there. Are you going to be in a tux? 
I don't know what I'm wearing yet, but I will be there. All right. Well, that's that's motivation is to have you get out of the surgical scrubs, which you definitely need to be in because you're doing surgery all day and kind of have to uh, dress it up a little bit and hopefully. Yeah, yeah our theme is actually Midnight in Hollywood. So oh, you're really going to have to get class yeah. it up. I mean, that's going to be so. a nice event and a nice way to really, you know, I think all of these events, the whole goal is to support people who are undergoing the treatment and hopefully to help folks realize that prevention is really the key. But those who are affected, there's a lot to be said for some of the needs they may have as well. That's right. Well, I absolutely want to thank you for all of the expertise. You've been on with us many times, and you are my go-to guy for cancer, and I hope I'm never your patient, and it's not because I don't like you. It's just because I don't want to get cancer. But, you know, when I'm 50, I'm doing a colonoscopy, man. I'm just going to throw that out there right now and promise it. Give me a couple more years. Thanks for sharing your expertise with us today, Dr. Morita, on The Body Show. Thank you for having me on. Dr. Shane Morita is the Medical Director of Surgical Oncology at Queen's Medical Center and a certified member of the MD Anderson Physician Network. If you'd like to hear this show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org, follow the links to The Body Show, and you can also find a podcast on the HPR app. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We will see you next week when we talk about health topics and hopefully preventing things that we can avoid having to suffer from later. That's Monday here on The Body Show. Thank you.